welcome to Healthy Perspectives with Jeremiah, a podcast that brings you current social and cultural issues through a clinical lens. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we appreciate your time. We are going to get rolling today. I am doing, what do we got here? Oh, you're the problem. Segment number eight. We are keeping this thing rolling. And today we have, we, this, I guarantee this one will be controversial, but that's the beauty of it. We hit the hard topics here at Healthy Perspectives. And today, I'm going to take a look at a political figure who was on CNN. Yes, you know it. Donald Trump was on CNN this week. Matter of fact, just last night, and I'm going to produce this today, and we're going to roll it out tomorrow. It's going to be a bang, bang. Let's get this out there to you folks. Because why? Because what we are not hearing about any of this is empathize. So I got to provide that perspective, that healthy perspective, that one that says, okay, let's take a look and empathize, right? Well, how do we do that? We at at Healthy Perspectives, one of the things that we do is we do the you're the problem if you can't do it. So we're going to challenge you and it's going to be a tough one. Why? Because you either love them or hate them. Uh, There's maybe a growing segment that's in the middle. Plus, there's a host And there's an audience, and then there's voters out there like you and me and everybody else. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to take a look at these three things, just three. We're going to look at Trump, and we're going to empathize with him. We're going to look at the host, and we're going to empathize with her. And we're going to look at the voters that are trying to make decisions, and we are going to empathize with them. Now, we're going to do that in segments. There's only four video, I believe four, one, two, yeah, four videos that I've decided to show today. And yes, you should go and watch the whole thing if you are intrigued by this and put it all in perspective. I have no intent to distort or persuade in any way. That's not the point of my podcast. My podcast is about empathy. My podcast is about perspective. All right, so Trump went on CNN, and let me be really clear, I, th- this is really tough for me to watch, and here's the reason why. Politicians, for whatever reason, believe the social norms do not apply to them, and it is basically universal. They, they want to fight. They want adversaries. They want, they want polarization because through that, they can gain power. Demagoguery. I've done podcasts on that in the past. I'm not going to go too far into that. But with that in the forefront of our thinking, their goal is often to pin people in corners. Well, what do you do when you encounter an interviewer? Well, interviewers are about getting stories. So what do they want to do? They want to pin you in a corner, of course, especially when it's an adversarial host, right? And what we have is the the makeup for what we're about to witness right here on this podcast. Now I'm going to slow it down and I am going to, oh, my bad. I almost forgot this. Body language. This is for those of you who've been following along, you're probably starting to get the hang of this a little bit. Body language, paraverbals, and verbals. 
They all have to align. When they don't, that's when we want to look deeper, all right? So body language, paraverbals, and verbals. And if you're brand new, don't worry. I'll super quick go over them. Body language is the way in which we uh, make our face look in different circumstances, our body language, our positioning, our environmental positioning, stuff like that. We want to really pay attention to those nonverbals, okay? Then the paraverbal tone, volume, cadence. That's what they are. Tone, volume, and cadence. Cadence is the speed at which we talk. Now, right now, I'm talking kind of quick because I got a lot of energy. Actually, I'm ready to get this thing rolling. So that's where it's all coming from, excitement. All right, verbals. The words that we choose should align with our nonverbals and our paraverbals. So if I say, I hate you, that doesn't line up. That's incongruent. That's a problem. That tells us something's up with the story. All right. But if I say, I love you, all right, you might be going, uh, well, that's kind of like a brotherly love, right? Because why? The verbals, the nonverbals, and the paraverbals all line up. All right. That was a quick down and dirty. We are going to do empathy with Trump, empathy with the host, and empathy with you, the voter. All right, that's what we're getting after right now. All right, so here we go. Without further ado, I am going to pull up our first video, and we are going to get started. All right, so in this one, we are talking about uh, Russia and Ukraine, okay? So I'm not going to give you much. There was a lead up to this. There was a, I mean, it, it, you can go back and watch it if you want. It, it's mostly meaningless, Um but if you want to go back and look, put it in full context, please do, because you'll see I'm not taking it out of context. Why? Because I'm infusing empathy. That's my agenda. All right, here we go. Now, here's the problem. We've given so far $171 billion. They've given, meaning they, meaning European Union, which is approximately the same size altogether as our economy. They've given about 20 so we're at 170, let's say, and they're at 20. Uh, you don't have to know too much about history to realize, or geography, to realize that they're a little bit more affected than we are, okay? So they've got to put up a lot more money because they're taking advantage of us like every other country did. That's why I ended NAFTA and replaced it with the USMCA in Mexico. But on Canada. this issue, Mr. President... I, I should know. I don't know any Democrats who have said they don't believe Putin would have been invaded if you were president. But her question is, would you continue to give? OK, I'm hoping you all caught that if you're watching on Rumble or YouTube. All right. You might have caught that. I'm going to back it up here just a second because I tried to hit pause twice and I missed. But I want you to see this. All right. I'm going to show that. President, but her question is, did you see that? If you're with me on Rumble or YouTube, oh, my goodness. All right. She confronted him. She said, I don't know any Democrats. And look what he did. His nonverbals. Let's take a look. Nonverbals. What did they say? He removed eye contact. That's his way of saying you're absolutely ridiculous. Like, you don't have to be a genius to figure this out. Okay. What, what did his paraverbals say when he was speaking? He was speaking with confidence and force and understanding and and, you know, making some points. All right. So without, you know, without getting into that, you know, the uh, uh, the paraverbals were clear with his verbals, clear with his body language when he was speaking. But when she spoke. He spoke 100 percent with his nonverbals. 
Now, if we want to empathize with him, in that moment, there's a chance he was feeling like she was attacking his message. Now, if he believes that he's right, because we're empathizing with him, if he believes that he was right, you could understand why his nonverbals might go this way. Because he's like, really? Really? Okay. But let's carry on. Is, would you continue to give Ukraine money and weapons if you're elected? What's um, the answer? I have a very good relationship with uh, President Zelensky because... It okay. She asked a very direct question. And this is the frustration that we all seem to have with politicians. And I get it. Get the frustration with the voters, you and me. All right. The frustration is direct question. Where's the direct answer? We see this routinely with politicians. So I'm empathizing with you, the voter right now. You, the voter, want to know the answer to the question. If you're anything like me, don't beat around the bush. Don't give me your political mojo. Give me an answer. And he's not. He's not. He's talking about, you know, President Zelensky and like, mm, that's frustrating for us voters, right? Okay. But what about her? Let's, let's see if we can find a spot to empathize with the host. As you know, he backed me up with the, with the phony uh, impeachment, impachment hoax number one, when he said the president didn't do anything wrong. So that I happen to like. Okay, let's empathize with her. Okay, she's trying to get an answer to a totally different question. He goes down this, this other path. Can you not feel for her in this moment? She's like, I just wanted to answer to this question and you just you took a right turn. The frustration there, it's unreal. I'm sure that's a frustration, which is why she cut him off. Makes sense. I can empathize with that. All right, let's carry on. So I happened to like, yeah, that's weapons. right. And it, it was, I was totally exonerated, by the way, just a waste of time and money. You were impeached over that. You were impeached over that, is what she says. He says exonerated. She says impeached. The words, the affect, did you see his body language? He made eye contact on that part. He's feeling pretty good about that. And so is she. Unfortunately, they can't both be right, can they? Ooh. Interesting. You're impeached over that, but let's stay on topic here, Mr. President, because the question is, would you give Ukraine weapons and funding? I was impeached by a crazy woman named Nancy but Pelosi. But the question here is, would you give Ukraine weapons and funding? Okay, so she went down the rabbit hole with him. All right, he adequately distracted her momentarily. She then realized, wait a minute, I'm going down this hole. I want to bring it back. Uh, he, of course, used it as an opportunity to go, you know, to, to send out a little dig at Nancy. Um, and here we are. She is, by the way, like uh, uh, credit where credit is due when we're talking about empathizing. 
she is projecting really great confidence. Take a look at the body language on the screen if you're on Rumble or YouTube right now. She's just, she's just staying the course. I mean, she got a little distracted, but she recorrected. And here we go. If you were I would sit down. Let, let me just put it a nicer way. Uh, if I'm president, I will have that war settled in one day, 24 hours. How would you settle that war in one day? He switched it up again. Empathize with him? Okay, that's simple. He has an agenda, and he wants to get the agenda known. That's what it is. That when we empathize with him, great. He's like staying on point. He's got an agenda. He's going to create uh, some kind of a solution. Let's see what he has to say. I'll meet with Putin. I'll meet with Zelensky. They both have weaknesses and they both have strengths. And within 24 hours, that war will be settled. It'll be over. It'll be absolutely over. Do you want Ukraine to win this? He now answers the question to a degree. Not straightforward, but he does say, here's the solution. Pretty good political tactic. She then is going to switch the question. So empathizing with her, look, remember what I said at the beginning. In politics, it's often about pinning people into corners to gain power, polarizing them to gain power. Well, as a host, she wants to do the same thing. If I can pin him in a corner or create a a, a narrative that is different than what he wants, I got him. In this war? Uh, I don't think in terms of winning and losing. I think in terms of getting it settled so we stop killing all these people and break. Now, as far as answers go, he did not bite on that last question. Now, empathizing with him, uh, that's pretty easy. Uh, I, I hope, I, I hope and pray all of you out there listening would feel similarly, right? would feel similarly, that it's really about, let's stop the death, the unnecessary death. Let's do that first, and let's figure out the other stuff as we go. Because the unnecessary dying and and, and bombing and shooting, and uh, like that is a primary objective. So did that answer the question? Absolutely not. So I can empathize with her. That I mean, her frustration is probably growing here as a host. Thank you, ma'am. It's, it's now, what do you, can I just follow up on that? You said you don't think you in terms of winning and losing. Anybody notice that they're both talking at the same time? Yeah, kind of hard not to, right? It's kind of frustrating and annoying. All right. Now I can empathize with you, the voter. Why? Because how am I supposed to make sense when they're both talking about different things at the same time? Like, where's the social respect in these moments? On both parties, it's gone. And who is the loser in that situation? You and me, the voters. Can you see that? If you can't, you might be the problem. I know. It's so easy to justify, to justify what's, what's going on and, and, 
and say, well, you know, she has been wronged all these times, or he has been wronged all these times, or, you know, he just tries to make his point and she's just trying to make a point. But at the end of the day, that breaks social norms. And when that happens in leadership like this, hosts, former presidents running for president again, we all lose. Everybody loses because empathy goes down. You and I have a harder time saying, okay. So you know, how we fight absolutely matters. I do this with couples all the time. How we fight matters. It matters so much. You have to get better at doing it in leadership when you're hosting big events and when you're, you know, the former president or the president of the United States. Unfortunately, if we were to do a side-by-side comparison of Trump and Biden, what you would find, they both use the same tactics. I, I probably just made a bunch of enemies, but they do. They both get angry, frustrated, talk over the top, and to say things like, hey, buddy, like, uh, 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 like, no, look, we've got to do better. And that's what we are trying to do here at Healthy Perspectives. So we are going to, with that, move on to the next one. You, you did not testify in person in this trial. There was a tape deposition of you from October in it. You defended the comments that you made on that Excess Hollywood tape about being able to grab women how you want do you stand by those comments? I said, if you're famous and rich or whatever I said. Okay. So she brings up what she knows to be a really tough topic. Obviously, putting him in a position of defensiveness. Clearly, that was her agenda. And that's fine. She's the host. She's trying to ask the hard questions. Get it. I can empathize with her. And if you can't see that that's her role, that's her responsibility, you're part of the problem. If you're just justifying it away saying, oh my gosh, this thing again, you're part of the problem. Yes, this thing again. This is an important question and she knows it and you know it if you're being honest and empathizing with what people struggle to understand. But I said, if you're a star, uh, you are, and I said, women let you. I didn't say you grip. I said, women let, you know, you didn't use that word, but if you look, Women let you. Now, they said, will you take that back? I said, look, for a million years, this is the way it's been. I want to be honest. This is the way it's been. I can take it back if you'd like. Okay, if you're watching again, you're seeing him wrestle inside of his mind. The Okay, when we look at the, the nonverbals, the body language, he's literally like moving around and, and trying to figure out like, mm, I know this is a tricky spot and, and I stand behind the words that I say, but like, no, he doesn't. Yes, he does. Maybe he does. Uh, who knows? His body language is saying, I'm confused. His paraverbals, he's, you know, he smacks his lips a little bit and, you know, like he's at that moment, what's he trying to do? He's trying to figure out how to get out of this one. Can you empathize with the struggle there? Yeah. Was he accurate in some of the, the things that he's saying? Do, do superstars get away with stuff sometimes? A lot of times, let's be real. That's not false. And does it make it right? Which is really what I think the host might have been going for. 
I hope that's what she was going for. Is it right for a superstar to think that way? No. He does eventually get to that answer. Let's listen. Like to, but if you're a famous person, if you're a star, and I'm not referring to myself, I'm saying people that are famous, people that are you stars, were asked in the deposition, people that are rich, to be a star people that are powerful. Yes. Uh, okay. She was trying to get something in there to rile him up a little bit. And to a degree, again, that's her role. But she talked over the top of him to do it. The social uh, cruelty that is going on between the two of them. I mean, it might be entertaining for some of you as voters to watch, as audience. But it's disrespectful. It's disrespectful. And until some of that social norm is respected, these people are tearing down our culture. They're making this the norm and the acceptable way of behaving. I hope not. Not for either one of them. Who's the loser in this situation? Let's empathize with you and me. Ordinary citizens. Ordinary folks. As my family would say, solidly average people. All right, let's finish. They tend to do pretty well in a lot of different ways, okay? And you would like me to take that back? I can't take it back because it happens to be true. I said it's been true for one million years, approximately a million years, perhaps a little bit longer. Than a little that. exaggeration. So you stand by those comments. Well, I don't want to lie. Mr. Oh, President, here's, what, here's what she wants Mr. to President, say. Let's a get rich to the and audience. Famous- okay. I don't know if you noticed, but his body language, the nonverbals, his paraverbals, and his words all shifted. When he got backed into this corner, he decided it was time to be aggressive and attack. We're about to see it if you're following along. She knows it's coming and she's trying to prevent the attack right here. I can empathize with both of them at this moment. He's backed into a corner. He said some, well, you know, as he might suggest, some stupid things. Whether they're accurate or not, it doesn't matter. We can't go promoting that kind of stuff, right? Because it's not socially appropriate. (laughs) Like most of this interview, to be real. And she knows she's about to get it right here. And she's trying to prevent that from happening. This person tonight. has no advantage over anyone else. Well, you do have an advantage. And I say unfortunately, but that's the way it is. You said fortunately or unfortunately. Well, fortunately or unfortunately for her. Now they're just boxing in the ring. They, at that moment, they are both equals. They have both pinned each other down into a spot and they're just throwing punches. All right. That's, that's pretty uh, uh, normal in, in terms of the, the, the political uh, demagoguery that's going on. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> as they might say, the losers are you, the voter. Because when that kind of stuff happens, we lose track. The entertainment value might go up, but the educational value drops significantly. All right, this next one, I'm going to give a, a super brief outline of it uh, because it, it requires it. This one is about the national debt. Now, I skipped about half of it because it was, you can go back and watch it if you want, 
but I, I wanted, I wanted to get right to the point where the empathy was going to be the most prevalent opportunity for learning, not this story. So let's just start right here and. Because we're spending money like drunken sailors. So you know just to be expression? clear, Mr. President, you think the U.S. should default if the White House does not. Did you all see that? There was a shift there. There was a shift there. She interrupted. And this was one of the few times that he backed off to listen. Now, that's social appropriateness. Now, it, not on her part. Like what she did by, by jumping in is still rude and disrespectful. But when somebody does that, there is a certain amount of I will listen to learn that should happen. That should be happening routinely. And we should stop cutting each other off. Not agree to the spending cuts Republicans well, are you demanding. might as well do it now because you'll do it later. Because we have to save this country. Our country is dying. Our country is being destroyed by stupid people. His paraverbals, nonverbals, and words all align right there. He truly believes what he is saying right there. Whether you like it or don't like it. He believes it. When we see that kind of congruence, that's what it is. He believes what he is saying right there. By very stupid people. You once said that using the, that using the debt ceiling as a negotiating wedge uh, just could not happen. You, you said that when sure. you were on the that's Oval Office. President. Anybody see that? Okay, let's take a look. He turns his head away from her, looking at the audience, and sarcastically states that comment. That's when I was president. It's an attempt to be comical, maybe. Uh, it was, um, let's see, the paraverbals, they say, I don't really care what you have to say. The nonverbals, I don't really care what you have to say. And the verbals, he was saying, I was in the position that I was in. So in that position, what you say has a different meaning. Okay. It's still not aligning. He's, he's incongruent there. So if we want to empathize in this moment, like the mocking tone and all of that stuff that he's taking, I would empathize more uh, uh, earnestly with the host because she's the one right now kind of being uh, attacked via uh, uh, ally gathering. He's looking to the audience to say, hey, hey come on along with me and <laughs> ignore her. And honestly, that's, that's disrespectful. That's not kind. Whether he's right or wrong in that moment doesn't matter. The social uh, normal thing to do there is not to be blatantly disrespectful to somebody who's hosting you. So why is it different now that you're out of office? Smirks. <laughs> A little bit of comedy. The U.S. defaulting would be massively consequential. And then he makes eye contact. Serious eye contact. Like, I got one on you. And then she simply states, look, this, this would be a problem. Okay. You don't know. For it's, everyone it's, in this room, for all of you. You don't know. It's psychological. 
It's really psychological more than anything else. And it could be very bad. It could be maybe nothing. Maybe it's a, you have a bad week or a bad day. But look, you have to cut your costs. He said it's psychological. So I feel uh, particularly qualified to address that. That's probably true. Whether you like it or not. Uh, when we talk about money, it's, it, it, I would say 90% of it is psychological. Negotiations, 90% psychological. You know, carrying debt creates a psychological burden. Like, that's probably accurate, whether you like it or don't like it. The idea of, of you know, trimming back and becoming financially and fiscally responsible, that is almost all psychological. Uh, get, doing a debt snowball, psychological. You do it in reverse order and you have more success. That doesn't make sense. Why? Because you should you know, get rid of the one with the highest uh, you know, percentage of, of, uh, of fees and all that other stuff. But what happens when you do it that way? If you don't knock off the smallest first, you feel the burden. You feel no motivation toward the progress. So he's right. It's psychological for sure. We don't know how much it's going to impact us. We just went through a pandemic for crying out loud. We didn't realize how much damage we were doing by locking everything down, by you know silencing people and forcing them to do vaccinations. Not literally forcing. We didn't pit them down and make them vaccinate themselves. But they were losing their jobs, their livelihood. That's pretty darn close to pinning them down. So we know that there are psychological impacts in this, this kind of conversation. All right, now back on track. I'll get back to the empathy and all that stuff. We're, we're spending $7 trillion on, much of it on nonsense, $7 trillion on nonsense. We've got another question said, from a voter tonight. Get all of that money that was wasted, and frankly, the Senate should have never approved it. Get all that money that was wasted, and if they don't get rid of that, you'll have to default. Okay? Mr. You President, default. we've got another voter here tonight. And by the way, Okay, they keep ignoring each other. That's that again, outside of social norms, it's terrible leadership. All right, and the loser there, if I'm going to empathize, it's going to be you, me, other voters, other audience members. Why? Because we're seeing the breakdown of social responsibility and social respect. It's unfortunate. And yet it went on and on and on throughout this thing. All right. The last one I'm going to show you is, uh, is a very short clip. I'm going to show it straight through. And then I'm going to talk about it because I want to get this thing wrapped up the for Capitol you. That day, as you know, was your vice president, Mike Pence, who says that you endangered his life on that day. I don't do think he feel, was in any danger. Mr. President, do you feel that you owe him an apology? No, because he did something wrong. He should have put the votes back to the state legislatures, and I think we would have had a different outcome. I really do. But he doesn't have the authority to do that, as you know. What? The vice president does not have the authority to okay. reject. She challenged him. I'm sorry. Shouldn't have stopped, but I did. Okay, she challenged him right there when he said that. He got applauded, and she decided to go on the offensive. Are you ready? Let's have this one out just now because it's in. He gets excited. Take a look at that. You see? That's excitement if you're watching him. And he's a very nice man. He made a mistake. His lawyer said 
You cannot move. I called him the human conveyor belt. I said, even if the votes, you mean, I talked to his lawyer, even if the votes are absolutely fraudulent, he can't say, yes, sir, he can't say, but, and the Democrats played it and the rhinos played it. And then the election was over. They told him he couldn't do it. And Mike said to me, I can't do it. The lawyers told me I can't do it. They can't do it. But the lawyers were wrong because right after the election, they all met, the rhinos and the Democrats, and they worked out a plan to make sure that future vice presidents don't do what I said you could do. That's not what happened. You're referring to the Electoral Count Act. That's I've exactly read right. I've read that. She challenged him again. There is there is no authority. No, legal experts, me. including Republican legal experts, Ooh, he didn't say like that, that he does not have language. that authority, Mr. Caitlin, President. But I want why to move did on. they change the law then saying that you can't do it? They didn't change the law. They strengthened the law because they were worried about oh, strengthen- semantics. This right here is look right in this moment. I empathize with you, you, my audience, because right there, she in this situation went to semantics. She said, strengthened. What does that mean? That means change. All right. It's, it's something that in politics, they love to do to you and me is confuse the crap out of us. Strengthened means changed. The law was changed. You can, you can justify it away saying, well, the law was there to do this, but it, it didn't have any teeth to it. Well, if it can't be enforced, it's a worthless law. I've talked about that before. If there's no accountability, nobody's going to grow. In, in clinical work, there has to be some form of accountability in order for growth to occur. Why? Because it's the discomfort of accountability that creates the moment and opportunity for sh- for changing and shifting. All right. They're clearly upset with each other. Just keep that in mind. Their body language is going to project that. They're, they're literally just throwing social blows at each other from here. Exploiting. You could do it. Thank that's, you. That's not what it means. Thank you. They strengthened the Mike law. Mike had the right worried. to do it. They uh, convinced him he didn't, and it was a horrible thing for our country. If you would have sent those votes back to Georgia, Pennsylvania, and other states, Wisconsin, which if you look at Wisconsin, they virtually admitted now that the election was rigged. If you would have have sent those votes back to many of those states, they would not come back in the affirmative. And remember Mm -hmm. what I said, and you just said it pretty much. You admitted what I said was right. They said he didn't have the right to do it. And he did have the right to do it. And that's why they changed the law, taking that right away. So when he put words into her mouth, which to a degree, she did say that it was strengthened. In other words, changed. But she didn't want to be backed into that corner. When, she, when he realized he had an edge, he got very aggressive. I can empathize with her on that moment. And. When you're looking at a a politician that's gaining power, I understand why when they, when they smell blood in the water, they go for it, which is what he's doing there. What I don't like from a therapeutic lens is that you and I are the ones that suffer because of this stupid bantering game. When social norms get thrown out, the big loser is the voters because it all gets confusing in the water. We get lost. Now, we can do our diligence. You can do your diligence. I do mine. 
and find our way and navigate it. But there's nothing easy about it. And for those who don't have the emotional and the, the, the mental bandwidth to do the work, we have to then rely on somebody or multiple people to give us perspective. Now, who has the time to go to one side and get their perspective, the other side and get their perspective? Not very many people. And so what do we do? We find people that we align with and we just listen to them, which invites more of this kind of stuff. And the big loser, big loser is you and me. And if you can't see that, you might be part of the problem. There are moments where she does a fantastic job of maintaining social norms and respect. And he, at times, did a fantastic job of maintaining social norms and respect. Much of the time, though, not so much. And whenever it wasn't happening, you and I, the audience, we become the losers because it, it confuses everything. All right. That was a, a tough one. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Take a look at the details of our podcast for links to our website and other helpful information.